1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
0: Hey, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investment, and more. I saw a piece of research the other day about the aging of the baby boomers. And this is something I've been come across for the last 25 years. We're fascinated by it. As they age, they're going to cause the stock market to crash because they're going to start pulling money out of their 401ks, right? That's one angle on the baby boomers. As they age, they're going to consume more pharmaceuticals. They're 60 years old. When you're 60, you're on platelet blood thinners. You're on everything, right? I don't think I know one person who's 70 years old who's not taking some sort of medication. Medications are free in America. No, medications cost money. And that's why you're interested in what the baby boomers are doing, because they're a large group of people who are doing a big shift into retirement from working. One area that you don't think about is the millennials versus... The baby boomers. Generation X is out of this fight because we're deep into the working years. Not quite retired. Whereas millennials are in the beginning stages of their working years, and baby boomers are on the way out. Roughly one in three homes in the United States is owned by someone 60 years or older. Do you see where I'm going at with this? Let's see if we can put the pieces together yet. So boomers, as they turn 60, they're taking more pharmaceuticals. As they turn 70, they're more likely to die. So as boomers are reaching their golden years, a growing number of homeowners across the United States are going to pass away and die. With their passing, a lot of times goes... They leave behind animals. Please adopt an animal. Don't go get a pure breed. Consider it. Um... But as they die, sometimes their pets are in their house, but sometimes their house has to go somewhere too, right? In the decade between 2007 and 2017, 730,000 homes hit the market that were previously owned by seniors each year. That number is going to grow exponentially. We've known that the boomers are all about an exponential thing. The first boomers retired. Where were you? And then it's 10 a day, then it's 100 a day, it's 1,000 a day, it's 10,000 a day. And you see that it's starting to snowball. So Zillow is one of those real estate research companies, publicly traded. And they said by the decade between 2027 and 2037, there will be 1.17 million homes a year up for sale because of boomers dying. That's interesting, right? My mom went from a house to a retirement home. Some people go from their home that they've lived in and raised children in to a retirement community to a retirement home. The path is not straight, nor is it virtuous. One area that is expected to get crushed as boomers die off. That's a weird thing to say, right? Tampa, St. Pete. Because the penetration of the number of boomers with homes in Tampa St. Pete is high. 33% of all homes are tied into seniors. So, there's going to be a shift in markets. And like, for instance, if you've done well in Las Vegas, you need to know that they have a very high percentage of retirees there. And that won't last forever. Phoenix, Scottsdale, same thing. Milwaukee, St. Louis, Knoxville, Dayton, Orlando, Miami, Florida, St. Pete, Tucson, Tampa, Clearwater, New Orleans, very old communities. Now, again, some of those destinations are are tax-friendly, which is great for seniors, but some of them are going to totally flip, and you're going to see home prices collapse. With less than 20% of homes expected to go up for sale between now and when they're currently uh, owned by an aging boomer, um, some areas are gonna you know slip the trend like Austin and Houston and Dallas and San Francisco and l a where these were the big cities that people are kind of like moving out of as they age out so that's kind of a demographic trend way of looking at things. I'm not telling you to wait 10 15 years to get a really good deal on a home in Buffalo or Albany or Birmingham because there's a lot of boomers there. But you have to start studying some numbers and getting some ideas of it. When Google and Bing are the two main search engines, and advertising is moving online, those are two companies that are pretty well positioned. So sometimes it's about like how many players there are, how much competition there is. There's different ways of looking at things. But from an investor standpoint, I think demographically speaking, it's not a bad thing. As millennials, you know, at the opposite side, the boomers, they tend not to be the best to follow from an investor standpoint. Maybe the housing angle, for instance, and the pharmaceuticals, for sure. But boomers have already got all the houses and all the wives and all the cars that they've ever wanted. They've done all the drugs and their experimentation, and they've done the, like, I've, they're not big spenders. Millennials are big spenders. They don't care. They haven't lived life. The first time they're away from mom, I'm like, what do you guys want to do for New Year's? First couple years in my 20s, I spent big on New Year's, right? Last 10 years, not so much. I'm on the couch. So as I went from the millennial age, under 30, to the Generation X age, pushing 50, I started spending a lot less money. So the one area that I continue to go back to again and again and again, is the millennials. And as the boomers age, yeah, there's going to be an issue with their housing, but also as the boomers age, they're eventually going to quit. They're going to eventually retire. They're staying in the workforce longer than ever because they didn't save enough for retirement. And that hurts the millennials. The Gen Xers are going to get the, the baby boomers managerial positions, but the millennials want to play the Gen Xers, you know, jumping from company to company and and title to title i get it i see what this is all about 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air anything that you want to talk about we can talk about again if you could look at it from a competitive standpoint there's a great book called the death of competition when you're intel and your only competitor is amd you kind of own the market When you're Facebook and you're the number one social media site and you own the number two social media site Instagram, you kind of are in like Flynn. Yes, things can change. There's no doubt about it. But, and this is the big but, it it can be it can give you a lot of shelter early on. It can protect you a bit. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. How do you invest? Do you invest in addictions like caffeine and cigarettes and alcohol? Those are called sin investments. There's a great, and it's funny that I say the word great, there's a strong investment called Vicex, V-I-C-E-X, which goes out and invests in alcohol and guns and tobacco companies, knowing that we're always going to have them. A, governments like to tax them, and B, they've got addictive traits to them. How do you invest? How would you sum yourself up? And no, no, no elevator speeches on this show ever. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. So far, it looks like december's not working out the way we want it to Uh uh-oh look at the calendar it's only the third day of december we've got a long way to go down 400 points at one point today 450 350 it doesn't matter president donald trump just commented on the the sinking stock market today and said it's peanuts and he's right don't have to agree with him all the time don't have to disagree with him all the time one day does not make a market Trump says, no, China deal deadline. Stock sink. Oh, You know, we talked about Roku yesterday falling big, precipitously 15%, even though it's up 400% for the year. Which one do you remember? The one day down or the one year up? I love what Morgan Stanley had to say about it yesterday. They said, there's a little bit of streaming exuberance, and there's a little bit of that, and I'm guilty of it. You know, the Mandalorian uh, Star Wars show on Disney, I'm excited by. I don't even know why I'm excited by it. It seems to be answering questions that I didn't know were questions. Do the Mandalorians, they're basically the Boba Fett bounty hunters of the galaxy. Do they ever take off their helmet to eat? Like <laughs> It's a good question. What did Yoda look like as a baby? So streaming has gotten a little bit too egregious right now. And I agree. I I think that's true. With that said, it is one of the ways that we spend a large part of our life, watching television. It's always shocking when you hear how much the average American watches. and Then you're like, oh, I just sat on the couch all day and watched football for nine hours, right? Guilty. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, bring us back to some financial planning issues of the day. Chad.
1: Now. Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton.
0: Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. One of my favorite ways to save, one of my favorite ways to get rich, is maxing out the 401k or the 403b or the 457. Chad, tell us a little bit about what these products are.
2: Well, it's it's a way that, I mean, you can save after-tax dollars that grow tax-free now or pre-tax dollars that grow tax-deferred. And so because there's a regular 401k and there's a Roth 401k, we can, we can kind of get into later, but the idea of, of pre-tax savings, let's go with that because Correct. there's a lot of scams in my opinion out there, especially on radio or people even see it on public broadcasting and think it's a good idea just because they bought some time. But people talking about the 401k is bad, you know, instead oh, that's buy that's this crazy. life insurance indexed, you know, fund or something like that or, Basically, ways to sell you product or annuities or life insurance or whatever it may be. But look, if you got a dollar, if you put the dollar into the four hundred and one k, the entire dollar goes to work. So your tax money stays in your four hundred and one k and compounds for you. If you take that dollar home, you might only have somewhere between you know eighty and sixty cents, depending on your tax bracket, to invest in something else. So maxing out your four hundred and one k is is very important. Now, um, you know, there used to be a lot of really bad 401k plans, and there still are. There's still some companies that have their plans stuck in what's called group annuities or really bad investments because they haven't kind of changed with the times. If that's the case, you need to get educated. You need to figure out what is in your 401k before you start complaining about the performance. You need to say, what am I invested in? What are my options? What are the fees? Now each year they're supposed to give you your annual fees um, in, in writing and say, this is what you're paying. And if it's, if it's a bad deal, you can go to the, uh, uh, your, your HR and you know complain, um, in a, in a good way, not, not a way to get you fired, but in a good way and say, Hey, there's some better options out here. And part of it is you have to get educated first before you can complain. And if you've left the company, it's almost always a good idea to roll over a 401k we can go any angle, Rob. We can talk about how to roll it over, or when is it not a good idea to roll over? Because that's really kind of two topics that we should hit on at some point.
0: Okay. Um, Let's talk a little bit about it right now. Um, I I like the 401k. We've got that established. We kind of know what the positives are of it. Um, People should compare them. But when should you roll them over or not roll them over when you leave a company?
2: Well, let's let's talk about when you don't roll them over. Um, Because... There's there's kind of few times when you don't want to roll them over. Um, One reason is if you are retiring early. Let's say you're 55 or older, and you've decided to retire early. You've saved a lot of money. Well, if you're 55 and older in a 401k plan, you can access your money without that 10% penalty. If you roll it into an IRA, you have to wait till you're 59 and a half. So sometimes in early retirement, you might not do the rollover. Another time is if you're in these older plans that you get a lot of company stock uh, in the form of a match inside your plan, mm-hmm. there is something called Not Unrealized Appreciation. That's NUA. And it's a way that you can actually get the stock out into a normal account pay very low taxes on the basis and then qualify for a lower tax rate on the gains and then separate your other funds. And it's kind of a whole other topic, but it's something that you have to look at your plan and say, Oh, I do have my company stock inside my plan. I shouldn't be so quick to roll it over. I need to research this NUA net realized appreciation. Um, the other reason too is that why you might not roll it all over. If, if you're close to retirement and you're trying to look for places to store safe money, that I always talk about, the three years worth of portfolio draws and safe, safe money. Sure. Some 401ks have really good stable value funds where they earn a higher rate of safe return, much higher than CDs are paying right now. Other than that, Rob, roll them over. If you've left your job or you've left several jobs, um, you know, you have the, t- the options to open up one IRA and consolidate all your old 401ks and IRA into that IRA. Or you could roll it into your existing 401k at work if it's a really good one, and you know if the person that's got like a whole bunch of 401ks that don't add up to a whole heck of a lot of money. In other words, they couldn't couldn't qualify for professional management. Yeah, it's usually best to consolidate it all into the existing 401k if it's a good one. But if you want some outside management, you want some help, um, it's pretty easy to actually get them all rolled over and consolidated into one IRA. What you do is you pick a place to do the IRA. You open up the IRA account, and you start calling your old 401Ks, and they either actually process the rollover over the phone, they send you a check, or they send you the forms to get it done. Take takes some time, but it's
0: not that difficult. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton talking 401Ks. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's New Focus financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. We could talk about product like Nikes. We could talk about luck in coffee competing with Starbucks. We could talk about how much you need to get to retirement. I say $1 million will pay you about $40,000 a year roughly until the day you die. Is that enough to live off of? Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Patrick, how are you today, sir?
1: Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you.
0: Happy holiday season. We're, we're deep in it already. It happens fast, right?
1: Uh, that it did. Looks like the uh Grinch is showing up a little bit early here. So I <laughs> want we'll see how the rest of this month unfolds. But obviously December's not off to the greatest start. Um, but we do need to keep in mind that, you know, November was a really good month. Um and in fact the prior eleven months leading up to this point were very good altogether, and uh, and that the market, you know, irrespective of what's going on now around the trade situation, probably was due for a pullback anyway. So some of the trade headlines we're getting this morning, um, you know, certainly offered a, an excellent excuse here to kind of pair some of those winning positions back a bit, and to sort of take a step back and you know see kind of let the dust settle here and see where the market might go in the coming weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm picking up what you're dropping down. Now you brought it up, the trade situation. I start my show every day and I, today I, was, I mean, I'm just tired of it. Like now these ones not going to get done. Maybe it won't get done at all. Maybe the, you know, we got 12 days until the tariffs kick in again. How should we approach this grain of salt, ignore it, pay attention to it, opportunity to invest because I saw the retail sales numbers were good. Um, but, it's just frustrating because I can't spin it anymore. I'm, I'm I'm done spinning
1: it. I think. Yeah, I, I I share some of that frustration with you with you, Rob. Um, okay. You know, I think that um, we talked before here, though that you know the, the market certainly. Uh, over the last few months has has made a, a, a very impressive run, uh, driven in part by the idea or the hope anyway that you would get some some type of resolution on an interim trade deal so you've got that good news priced into the market already so the notion now that uh, that trade deal might not come to fruition uh, Either as soon as expected or maybe not at all uh, has uh, provoked an understandable response of getting a little bit more defense minded and pulling back on some of those those gains that were registered when that hope was running high. Uh, we've been down this road before, though. You know, ever since the tariffs came on, we, we seem to you know see the president use a lot of. Um, uh, rhetoric as a, you know, tough minded rhetoric as a negotiating tactic. And the market uh, thus far has continued to think that, uh, uh, you know, that something will get done. And, you know, outside of, you know, the manufacturing sector, um, there hasn't been any really pronounced impact uh, on the rest of the U.S. economy. And so, you know, President has some wiggle room, if you will, to kind of play these these hardball games, and it's almost yep. true to script here. You have a you know market that's you know just coming off of a record high. Um, you have a very low unemployment rate, and uh, and generally speaking, you have a really you know good consumer uh still and so uh so the market or the president I think kind of feels that you know he's got some leverage here now to kind of you know push exactly what he wants to get out of this phase 1 deal and if China doesn't like it I think he's okay with accepting some of the ramifications of that um because he's playing a little bit with house money right now
0: I think that's fair enough Um, turning the page to the retail sales numbers um I I like using the word bifurcated. I've never used it. I've never said it out correctly. But it seems like there's winners and losers in retail right now. Um, And the retail sales numbers look pretty strong. Economically speaking, is that an A? Is it a B? Where are you looking at the retail numbers at?
1: Well, I think, you know, all in all, I think, you know, we're, we're probably right in, uh, you know, kind of like that B-plus, A-minus A range, maybe. Okay. Um, you know, Good. early reports, uh, you know, indicate that, you know, online sales are booming. Uh, Brick-and-mortar sales, you know, over this um, holiday weekend have have not been as robust. And, then you know, some sources have said that uh, I think they were down 6% year-over-year year on uh, Black Friday. Um so, you do have this bifurcation, but um, but it does underscore the importance of having an omni channel uh, presence because, um, you know, in some some parts of the country, obviously, there was very bad weather that just was, you know, uh, a disincentive for people to, to, to leave their homes and, and try to go out and do shopping. But uh, but they had an option, obviously, through their smartphone or their, you know, desktop PC or their tablets or what have you to still get shopping done and still capture those deals. Uh, so uh, So it wasn't necessarily that, you know, a lot of you know quote brick and mortar retailers lost sales it's just that they probably came through a different channel so i i think overall you're, you're still on track the retail sector is anyway uh you know looking at some pretty good holiday uh, selling activity you know one thing that did jump out at me though i think that if if, if there's a kind of a big picture takeaway uh from this particular holiday selling season I do think it's going to start to crystallize for a lot of these retailers that they have a lot of stores that they still need to close you know because if you're not getting the foot traffic at a time of year like this uh and you have those high fixed costs embedded in running brick and mortar stores um you know, to protect that bottom line, I think mean, you have to take a harder look at just just how many stores you actually need if you've got this effective um, uh, delivery mechanism or distribution channel through the digital um, uh, view of things.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Now turning the page, not a lot going on in mergers and acquisitions. You brought one up today in your page one column. Cleveland Cliffs is acquiring AK Steel. I remember those companies from being an active investment advisor 20 years ago. It's kind of not material, Um, but yet it is an acquisition. So companies are still looking around. Buffett's got a lot of cash. He's looking around. Wall Street's speculating. Maybe the market's overpriced or overbought if companies aren't acquiring each other and if big buyers like Buffett aren't buying big companies. What's your leaning on such a supposition that I'm making
1: well um you know certainly as it relates to the cleveland cliffs ak steel deal you know that that's interesting in that you know it was an all stock deal right um and you know companies you know particularly i think in this this sector uh do well to hold on to their cash you know cuz they they might need it uh in the event you do get into a a more challenging uh economic uh cycle um and a lot of these steel companies are already feeling you know their own respective um, industry issues right now, uh, they're making for a difficult operating environment. But, yeah, all in all, I think that um, when you when you look at someone like Warren Buffett and all the cash that he's sitting on, and everyone's well aware of the, you know, I think that the Buffett, you know, market indicator uh, in terms of, you know, when, when the market capitalization uh, of stocks gets, you know, far in excess of what... Um, GDP is uh it it sort of serves as a warning sign of sorts that you know you're in an overvalued environment and 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 I think you know a lot of people are sitting there wondering you know why isn't um Mr. Buffett putting that cash to work at, at, at this point, and, and frankly, though, I mean, you got a lot of companies out there, um, or, or certainly a, a decent number of very, very high-profile large companies like Apple and you know Google and uh, you know Microsoft that you know are sitting on a ton of cash, uh, and um, you know you're not seeing these real you know huge acquisitions anymore, and it does make you wonder uh, if 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 you know. Uh, financial officers and the like are, are, are recognizing that uh, um, it, that things are priced at a point right now that are, is a little bit excessive, and, and I think you kind of have that fear in everyone right now that, that you're at the end of an economic expansion, uh, perhaps, and therefore you might not see that same willingness to pay up and price uh, in a um, uh, more open-minded or liberal fashion across uh, the market landscape. But you'll still get those deals every now and then, though. Um, you know, Individual deals that, that show some really huge premiums that, you know, that are eye-opening. But I think these, these massive uh, deals um, are going to be more few and far between right now, based on where prices are.
0: Mr. O'Hare, we've got about one to two minutes left. Is there any topics you want to hit that might be enlightening as we start this month of December off on a negative tone?
1: Well, you know, um, we have another employment report out at the end of the week. It's the November employment report. And it's going to be an interesting one because uh, it always is, but certainly when we saw in the ISM manufacturing number yesterday underperform other global. Uh, manufacturing PMIs, it, you know, kind of raise some questions as to whether you know maybe the U.S. economy uh, is is starting to feel more of the effects of the tariff situation. And if you start to see some weakening on some uh, very consumer sensitive uh, data like the employment report, um, you know, then we'll have to deal with that, and you'll start to see earnings ex- expectations come down and stock prices adjust further for uh, for that uh, possibility. So keep a close eye on that because I'll be watching that as well on Friday. <laughs>
0: Thanks very much. As always, have a good start to your December. Your content is awesome. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I start my day each and every day with the obvious page one. Um, Then I move into other areas, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, uh, any sort of research that I'm reading that day, that week. Uh, But I think um, Patrick O'Hare does an amazing job. And honestly, he puts together a a written page day. It's got enough content that really kind of, not excites you, but it, it envelops you in with what's happening on Wall Street. I dig it. It's, it's not a murder mystery, no. It's not like a Star Wars movie, no. But I find stocks to be pretty entertaining, like Amazon's Premier League live streams. Woo! Let's talk about that coming up. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Hello, everybody. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I love doing this show. I'll continue to do it as long as I have somewhat editorial control. I was talking to some people about what you can and can't say on radio recently. It's funny. You can say that you don't like the president, but you can't say you want to shoot the president. Pretty obvious, right? Um, The rules on radio are it's a fine tightrope because you have all sorts of people out there who hear sometimes what they want to hear. Please be cautious with that information because the same thing could be said, not just of offensive material, but investment news and ideas. I probably get one or two emails a month from people who say, you said you liked XYZ stock. What should I do with it now that it's down 90%? I'm like... I've never once said anything about that stock on air. Go to the tapes. But some people will hear what they want to hear. So be cautious and, and know that we're all fallible and we're all human. Um, I love the stock market. Did you just hear that? And now I, But right now it feels like it's a little bit extended. I'm not sure I would tell my mother to go out and invest full force in the stock market versus scaling in. So I just hit a lot of topics there, investing now, uh, advice for someone like a motherly character who would probably be more conservative. And then again, I could say, hey, you know, the top 10 mistakes that uh, millennials make. And somewhere in that top 10 list, it could be you know, traveling too much, eating out too much. It could be not getting in the stock market full force right now when they're young, when they're beautiful, when they got 10, 20, 30, 40 years on their side. So please be cautious. I enjoy doing the show, and I try to do it from an attitude of hurt no one. If I help people, that's great. But if I hurt people, I'm out. I don't like it. I don't like the concept. I don't like the idea. So I try to make this informative as much as I can. Um, and it's it's funny because we could talk about chicken sandwiches, and I don't get it. I whether it be Burger King's chicken sandwich or Taco Bell's crispy tortilla chicken or Chick-fil-A. I know a young woman who dated a man who was a little bit older than her. And she was like, are all older guys crazy? I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, he loves Chick-fil-A. Like he can't stop talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I think all older <laughs> men are crazy. Now you just heard that. Then you're going to be all upset. But, um, so it's funny because the National Owners Association for Franchisees who own McDonald's, they want something better. They want a premium chicken sandwich. And this is actually a thing, trying to compete with Popeyes and Chick-fil-A as a premium product. Um, so McDonald's is testing stuff. They're not stupid. They saw what Beyond Meat did this year and getting headlines. They want headlines like that. They're testing it. On top of that, they're they're seeing you know the chicken sandwich headlines. People are killing each other. Not a lot of people. Not even more than like two isolated incidences. But people are killing each other for Popeyes fried chicken sandwiches. It's funny. I was back on the East Coast, and there's a lot more fried chicken uh, franchises, churches, and Popeyes and Chick-fil-A. You see them everywhere. Get this. I went to my sister's uh, daughter's Christmas nutcracker dance recital so i guess my nieces and uh on the east coast they, they sell chick-fil-a as a fundraiser so we're gonna go to the high school and there's a, a recital going on and it's it's the nutcracker and there's an intermission and during the intermission you can go buy a chick-fil-a sandwich as a fundraiser so a chick-fil-a will make like 50 of them wrap them up in foil give you a hot bag or something like that, and they set the prices that you're allowed to charge and not charge, I, I was like, whoa, sometimes it's nice to get out. Speaking of nice to get out, do you kind of remember the first time you went into a Starbucks? I do. And again, it goes to show you that, that you know user experience is super important and it can't be discounted. Someone recently asked me, is there another investment other than Starbucks? Because, Rob, I remember back in the day you used to talk about Pete's Coffee when it was publicly traded. I did well. I interviewed the CEO of Pete's Coffee and I got that they were trying to come up with something similar to Starbucks that went to a couple stores. Um, I get it. And there's always, there's always another coffee company right around the corner, whether it be Blue Bottle or Phil's. Would I invest in fills if they are going public? I would probably consider it. Because coffee's something, in my opinion, it's been around. And just to shame my lack of history, let's say for a thousand years or two thousand years, I don't know. It's been around since I was a kid, and it's been around since my parents were kids, and coffee's been around, right? I don't need to know much more than that. I don't need to know the actual, oh, oh, at the last supper, Jesus drank a cup of coffee. Is that real? I don't need to know the exact historical moment that it started. I can just tell you, coffee is a good investment. A lot of people think we're suckers, putting water on beans and woo. Then we get juiced with uh, caffeine, right? I know people who say ridiculous things like, I can't start my morning without a cup of coffee. I can't get a cup of coffee. I can't go to the bathroom without a cup of coffee. I can't get married without a cup of coffee. People are addicted to it, minus the fact that it's not addictive, but they, they, they feel like it's part of their life. There's a company out there called Luckin Coffee. It's the only, and for the record, Pete's Coffee I made a ton of money on, Caribou Coffee I made a ton of money on, because I got that they were eventually going to be acquired. I thought Pete's Coffee had a chance to expand at a rate that Starbucks did. didn't happen that way doesn't mean it's not a cute investment. So there's a company called Luckin, and if you do a little bit of homework on it, and this is where it gets a little shady. It's a Burger Rise for taking action on any stocks I ever mentioned. It's a Chinese coffee chain. Ticker symbol is LK. Look at it. Take a take a peekaboo. Um I can't tell you that it's exactly right for you. It's had a huge run since its IPO. Um but again, deep is there room for two coffee franchises in the world? I think so. Look around. The world's a pretty big place. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A real interesting story out of Amazon is they bought the rights to doing a lot of um, English Premier League soccer games. And they're cutting down on the number of commercials that they're showing Amazon of soccer games. But they're charging more for them. I would not underestimate Amazon and Google's presence in the old TV world and sports world. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.